Gentlemen, how are you all doing tonight? I know you can do a little bit better than that. How are you all doing tonight? We've got a fabulous show at the Tempe Center for the Arts for you tonight. We've got Jim Short here for you as a headliner. If you want, feel free to move up to those tables in front of you. We expected more people. We had 150 people here last weekend. And all those people are going to be sorry they missed tonight's show, but all of you are going to be lucky. So fill out those slips in front of you. You can fill out your email, and you can win four VIP tickets to a future comedy event here at ComedySchools.com. Also in cooperation with Comedy Schools Amer This America podcast. And we only have a few ground rules. That's that you keep your table talk to a minimum. And that you, so you don't disturb anyone during the show and turn your cell phones off and just have as much fun as humanly possible. That is three ground rules. So now that I've got you riled up, <laughs> I'm going to bring up to the stage the first comic of the evening, Keith Ellis, everybody. All right, let's get the stage started. All right. My name is Keith Ellis, and so far, I want everybody to move forward. I want everybody to come forward. Don't be afraid. It's Black History Month. There's only two black guys here. You'll be all right. Come forward. Do not be afraid. This is not BET. No one's going to get heckled. No one's going to get called out. Not yet, but you, you got you, you talked earlier. You don't even remember how long you were married. So you know you've already messed up. 31 years worth. 30, you, you said 43 earlier. I know. Okay. All right, you guys, okay, no one wanted to come. Thank you guys for coming to the front. You know, thank you for coming at least this. Okay, okay, just, okay, thank you guys. Rob, taking the come forward. And I'm like, okay, so there's going to be one of the mics that we're having here. This have a problem. I hope. Okay. Give it up for your. Sound guy, Matt. Give it up for Matt. Okay. Welcome to Tempe Center for the Arts. My name is Keith Ellis. I am a comedian, and I've been doing this for a long time. And it's always a pleasure to come out here and do some shows. Welcome to Black History Month. Why y'all laughing? Steve, I, I need you to come up because you were still sitting in the back of the bus, and I'm like, that's not cool. Don't get no awe on it. Just no, no. Let's just keep it real. We're gonna have fun tonight. We're gonna have a good show. You know, there's a lot of comedians here. Your headliner, which is Jim Short, give it around for your round of applause for Jim Short. Your headliner. And I like to get right into it because is there any birthdays happening out here? You know, just want to check. No one's having a birthday today. Anybody out here on a first date? Don't even, don't even start. She wanted, to, she wanted to take off her rings, and they want to act like they were. Together, I'm like, no, you don't even need to do that. Okay, well, okay. Like I said, my name is Keith, and we're gonna have a good time tonight. You got uh, several comedians that will be coming up here, and I've traveled all across the country. I've done some shows out in Germany, also some shows in Czech Republic and Bavaria, and it's always good to see what I've seen so far when you guys laugh, because I love when people laugh, and like the fact when you guys laugh, you have teeth. I like that. <laughs> You don't understand, I do shows across the country. I've done shows in South Carolina, and when you crack a joke in the South, it's just, you don't know, you don't get the same response because you can't tell if they're laughing because you don't see any teeth. So it kind of takes away. And the fact that I used to live in, uh, what's that, uh, Maricopa. I lived in Maricopa City for a little while, but driving out here, I noticed something that I do not ever want to see again. I saw a smart car on the freeway. 
I don't ever want to see a smart car on the freeway again. No, if I do, I want to see a smart car on the freeway. I want to see a minivan pull up next to it, just slide the door, and stop playing in traffic. You know, good and well, you don't belong out there with the grown cars. You just because <laughs> you know, because no, I mean, it's weird. I, I went to Target and I saw a smart car. I thought it had tinted windows until the black guy got out. I'm glad I don't have to explain. See, I don't have to explain the joke. You get it, you know. I was at a stoplight and saw a smart car pull up, and the guy couldn't wait. He got out, grabbed the car, ran across the crosswalk, and just got back in and drove off. I'm like, dude, that is not, that is wrong. I'm like, smart car, I'm glad I have one. Just, smart car should be like spare tires, man. <laughs> it should really be, it shouldn't even really be used as that. It's gonna be Valentine's Day. Are you guys doing something special for your loved ones? She's like, boom. She's like, okay, that's why you're here alone. Okay. That's how this is gonna start off. That's not gonna be good. I did some shows when I said I was out in, uh, the weird thing is like, certain people shouldn't have certain jobs. And this is what caught my attention. Like, I was in the grocery store and I heard a fireman. And he's walking down the aisle with the other fireman, they were shopping, and you hear him say, man, I can't stand the heat. Dude, I don't want, if my house is on fire, don't come to my house. <laughs> just don't. If you can't stand the heat, and that just lets me know it's like certain jobs you shouldn't have. And when I say that, I went to Walmart a while back. There was a guy, a greeter. He had one arm. He had one arm, and he's standing there greeting people. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? He's just greeting. And I'm looking at him, I was like, okay, no big deal. He's got a job. But when you leave, in his hand, he has that marker. When you're walking out, he told me, he says, excuse me, sir, I need to check your bag. So I get over to him, and he says, I need your receipt. So I put my bag down, I gave him the receipt, and he looked at me like, because he has one arm, he couldn't grab the receipt, because he's got the marker. So I looked at him like, he's like, so I hold the receipt like this here, and he takes the marker and goes like this, and I'm like, dude, I just did your job. I'm like, no, no, if you're gonna do this job, you need to take my receipt, put it on your chin, and check that, <laughs> and then just let me go. You know, go to the checkout lane, and just use that one hand. People say it's mean, but I like to be honest. I just, like to be, I just like to keep everything real, man. You know, I don't like to play around or do anything like that. Then, I mean, being Black History Month, some of the things that kind of catch my attention. I went to Germany not too long ago, and I did some shows, but when I got on the plane, they had 400 seats on the plane. There was 165 passengers on the plane. My seat number was 400. I still had to get in the back of the bus. It's still. <laughs> I mean, I look at kind of weird, but then I get over to Germany and I'm in, I'm in Breckenbridge, where a, everything in Breckenbridge is called a village, or in Germany is a village. So when I'm going there, as I'm walking with my translator, we're walking to Breckenbridge, and as I'm getting closer, there's a black guy, and there's not a lot of black people in Germany. There's a black guy coming out of Breckenbridge, and I'm going in. So my translator, she looks at me, she's like, do you know him? <laughs> They're like, what? Because we looked at me and the black guy looked at each other and we went like this here, what's up? But in that moment right there, we had a whole conversation like, you okay? You're not in a hot situation, right? You good? I got you. If you need, I'll call you. But the thing is, when we walked past each other, we acknowledged each other, but we, I went inside, he came out. I was inside of Breckenbridge Village for three and a half to four hours. And then as I'm leaving Breckenbridge, he's going back in and he and I'm coming out. I'm like, how is that possible? No, it's like if somebody on a tower, one's leaving, let the other one go back in. <laughs> How is that possibly three and a half hours? It's like it's like keeping it balanced, you know. If it's two of them together, it's a riot. Uh, was that was that that? Or was that just too honest? Yeah. No, I used to live in Scottsdale until like I robbed 
by a white guy, so I decided to move to the south side, and that way if I got robbed, I feel like I'm giving back to the community. <laughs> like, you never get back, I'm like, I got robbed twice. Love Scottsdale, though. When I went jogging in there at Scottsdale, I'd stay in my nice little apartment. I would go jogging. There would be a police car outside my apartment. He would follow me for a mile and a half as I jogged. That was cool, because he followed me all the way back home to make sure I got home safe. Thought that was really nice. I remember one time, they were so helpful to me. I remember there was a, I had to take my trash out about 3 o'clock in the morning. Police helicopter came to help me. Like, I'm like, oh, thank you, man. This alley was dark. Love it. Went to the grocery store the next morning. There's a homeless guy out front. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. As I get closer, he's like, yo, brother. I'm like, yeah, man, what's up? He's like, uh, can you spare some change? I'm like, all I had was a 20. He's like, I can break that. <laughs> get inside the store, walk around in the produce section. I didn't know where it happened. In the produce section, like 10 minutes, this little, little white lady came up, tapped me on the shoulder. Yes, ma'am. You look like you could pick a good watermelon. Anyway, after I got out of jail, <laughs> that's when I knew I needed to move to the south side. So when I get to the south side, everything's good. But when I went jogging, I had to get that police escort so I didn't trip. That's not what I do. So I'm running around the park one day and I noticed I saw two animals fighting over a nut. It was two squirrels. So I ran up to one of the squirrels because I can break the squirrels up. I won't break up the animal kingdom. As I got to one of the squirrels, it turned, it looked at me and it shook its tail like, what's up, punk? I'm like, whoa. I knew the squirrel had a problem because as I stepped closer, I saw on the right side of his eye, he had two teardrop tattoos on his eye. And I knew the other squirrel was black because the tail was four feet long and it was braided. <laughs> I want you guys to have fun tonight. You can't hold back. You got to be free, you know. Get to the point where you need to pass gas when you laugh. That's all I'm saying. You know, let it out. Just be, you know, you ever do something like crazy? Like, you ever just go, and I did a show in Texas. You ever just walk down an aisle in, in Walmart, like three o'clock in the morning, and nobody's in the aisle, and you run into that wall where somebody farted and they left it in the aisle. You ever do that? You just walk in, la, 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 la. Mm, mm. and you look around like somebody's be like, "That was me. That was me." Never done that. I, I did that, and it was like I ran into that wall, and I looked around like somebody should be standing there warning me. And I was just thinking, it's like, man, I still need to grab an item. I wonder how long I can hold my breath and go through that and get to the other side. But then that second voice kicked in, but you don't know how thick that wall is. Because you can think that you threw it and get on the other side and hell, and you're like, oh, in the midst of the storm, it's not cool. So as I'm turning around to leave, there's a lady coming down the aisle. I'm like, oh, crap. She's going to think I did this. So I grabbed my cart and pushed it in front of her, and hopefully it would slow her down. And she's had that look on her face, like, if you don't get up the aisle, I'm, I'm like, okay. So I started running toward the other end. Right when I turned the corner, I looked back, I saw her. She hit that wall. She was like, oh. I just looked at it like, it's burritos. And I just kept running out the aisle, man. I'm just saying, this is, this is my world, man. This is how things happen. I just, you know, you have a dog or you can't. What do you guys rather have a dog or a cat? Dog. I agree. I'm Midwest. I'm from Indiana. I'm just like that. I had, um, when I was married at one point, my wife had a dog. And she trained this dog so well. When she said, what was that? It would actually stop at the perimeter of the house, like by the window. She said, what was that? It would stop. The dog, she would make a word. And when she would say a word, it would go stand behind a certain line in the kitchen. Then what happened? The dog started barking too much. So she put a bark collar on the dog. Now this dog doesn't bark. I mean, it's just, it was shocked every time the dog barked. So now the dog stopped barking. Four months later, it happened. Somebody broke into our house while we were asleep. I'm laying there asleep. Next thing you know, I felt something hit my arm. I wake up. I look at the dog like, hey, boy, what's up? The dog's like, <laughs> And I'm just looking at the dog like, hey, boy, what's going on? The dog like, 
I reached to wake her up. Right when I got my hand on, almost on top of hers, the dog grabbed me, just like, I'm like, the dog, like, we gotta wake her up. He's like, no, no. So as me and the dog are sneaking out, I'm like, I'm <laughs> I hope she has a phone on vibrate, we'll call her. I still have the dog, so. <laughs> People say, you're so mean, no, I'm not. Guys, I want you to, hey, listen, this is a Friday night. This is a Friday night, and this is a show of shows. It's not a lot, but you need to let it go, because I want you to make a lot of noise. So you're gonna get some, several comics up here, and I want your energy to be flowing. I want you to be free in what you do, and don't, don't hold back, because it's like, we have different types of humor. So all I'm just saying, let it flow, let it grow. So you guys ready for your first comic? All right, let me tell you. Us. What? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not funny. <laughs> I'm not funny. A janitor. After this, I'll be cleaning up behind you guys. I'm like, what are you doing today? I'm closing this place up. So no, your first comment. <laughs> your first comment. I'm gonna bring this gentleman up. It's a pleasure. I always work on him. Put your hands. Put your hands together for Mr. Floyd Hoss. Oh, Mr. Hoss, man. Keep us going for Comic Zero. Keep going. So how's everybody doing tonight? Well, that was really nice, but the way I usually do this is I come out and I ask how everybody's doing. And I need everybody in the room to say, great. So can we just try this one more time? All right. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a guy that looks a little bit like Steven Seagal. <laughs> Mostly in this area. But if you've seen Seagal lately, also in this area. Please welcome the comic stylings of Lloyd Haas. How's everybody doing tonight? Great. Oh, glad to hear it, glad to hear it. You folks like impressions? I don't do any. <laughs> no, watch, I'll show you why I don't do any, okay? See if you folks can figure this out, okay? It's a, uh, David, David, why did I just tell my mother to go to Atlanta? And then people go, oh, they're from Independence Day, right? Harvey Firestein? See, it's not, it's Miley Cyrus. <laughs> Feel kind of bad for Miley. Her parents got a divorce last year. Uh, her mom cited irreconcilable differences. You see, she's a music lover, and he's Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> Somebody else that got a divorce last year were the Matt Namie, the people from Little People, Big World. Did you folks know they ever see that show? And but don't worry, it's amicable, and they're going to split everything 25-25. <laughs> I know that a lot of people like the reality shows. I've just never gotten them. I don't get the reality shows. And it makes it, uh, Netflix has now made it to where you get stuck watching shows that you would never watch when they were on before. And uh, for, for example, I saw one recently, it was called Freak Show. Have you folks seen that? Where they follow circus freaks around from their day-to-day -day life. The one that I saw, they had a, a rubber-faced man, a half-man, half-woman, and a sword swallower. So it's just like the Kardashians. I, uh, I know that I probably shouldn't be talking like that. I, I just uh, I just don't get them. And one of the other ones I don't get is the survival shows. I know that there's some people here, I'm 56 years old, that are around my age. You know, those survival shows have been fake since before television was around, back when radio was there. And they try to make them seem so dangerous. Those shows aren't dangerous at all. Last year, more people died on Glee. I guess I'm just a little bit spoiled because I grew up during the golden age of television, what I think was the golden age, with shows like The Brady Bunch. You folks remember The Brady Bunch? Yeah. Yeah. And even for the woman that played Marsha, Marie McCormick, she said things weren't so Brady-like after she left the show. In fact, she was actually trading sex for drugs in the early 80s. And this made me feel really bad, too. 
I had drugs in the early 80s. We uh, have a new neighbor now. We have a crazy cat lady that moved next to us. Anybody have one of those around? Crazy cat lady? And I'm not saying that she's, you probably think that she's got like nine cats. Uh, you don't get it. The cat is crazy. The lady is crazier. She thinks that this is a regular cat. It's not a cat. She got it. It was a feral cat from an apartment complex where she came be from before. It's a wild animal, and she treats it like it's a normal pet. First of all, it's peed on everything in her house. Everything in her house. And I say, oh, it's peed on stuff. She goes, it doesn't pee, it sprays. Oh, it's spraying is, right? Sprays when the cat walks by and it goes like that and you can hardly eat. This cat pees. I mean, it walks right up to the couch that she's sitting on, walks right up to her, and just starts peeing all over the cat. Sits back there like this, looks at her, she gets all mad at the couch, just going like this to her, just peeing away. The other thing that uh, she did was one time when we were over there, she picks the cat up and puts this cat by her face, you know, like hugging. You folks ever see that YouTube video where those two guys have released the lion and then they go back to visit it in the wild, the lion comes running back up to it and you're kind of looking because you're not sure if it's gonna hug them or if it's just gonna tear their heads off. You know which one I'm talking about? <laughs> That's what this cat did. The cat runs up and it gets up on her and we're like, and it just starts loving her. And I, we're there, okay. Then all of a sudden, the cat decides it doesn't want to be held anymore, and it just starts ripping at her face, just like clawing and getting tangled in her hair. We're trying to do something. I remember there was a circus where the tiger went crazy. Like I picked up a chair and started using. I picked up a chair and started using that. That didn't do any good. And then a guy was yelling something in Russian. I yelled something in Russian. That didn't help anything. Then I remember the guy uh, used a hose, and I didn't have a hose, so I just peed on it. That worked, it stopped. She seemed pretty confused, but the cat left her alone. We had to take her to the place where uh, Siegfried took Roy to get her face reconstructed. It was, it was pretty bad. Probably shouldn't be talking like this. And I, uh, I'm a grandpa, in fact, I have a new grandson. <laughs> oh, thanks. I see that hesitated a little bit, right, folks? Like, uh, new, I mean, of course he's new. I mean, sure, we looked at used, but we were able to get the brand new grandson that we really wanted, thanks to the government program Cash for Crawlers. <laughs> and this isn't our first grandchild. Actually, our first is our daughter, our oldest is our daughter, Amy. She's 32. She has the brand new baby boy and a little girl that's uh, 11. And it never fails to take a little baby with us shopping, put him in the cart. Somebody will walk up to me and they'll go, oh my gosh, what a cute little baby. And he looks just like daddy. No, this totally creeps us out too. Not just because they think that we're together, but because we both feel that we could do better. <laughs> and uh, my youngest son is Tanner, he's 15. He and his wife don't have any children. My oldest, is my, or my oldest son is Travis. Travis is uh, 28 and Travis works at the Castle Boutique. Everybody familiar with the Castle Boutique? Okay, I hear some giggling, right? In case you don't know, the Castle Boutique is an adult toy store. And they have the second largest collection of dildos under one roof. The largest collection of dildos under one roof is Congress. <laughs> Thanks. Just let me know which ones you like like that. Oh, yeah. Now, Travis also has a little girl that he shares custody with. And I picked her up the other day from her mom. Right when I pull up, it's her mom and her cousin and, of course, my granddaughter. She gets in the car. And right when she gets in, she says, Papa, can you take me to McDonald's? I said, sure, honey, I'll take you to McDonald's. And her cousin, a little boy, pops up and he says, 
Um, that's bad. You're going to McDonald's. That makes you bad. Doesn't make you bad. I turned and shook my head to her. She turns to her cousin and says, my papa says that you need to shut the fuck up. And I wasn't sure if that's what she said, right? But as we're driving away, she's going like this the whole time, looking at her cousin. Her mom calls me. She's really mad. I'm like, calm down, calm down. She's just being three. Besides, she didn't get that from me. I think she got it from our neighbor's cat. But do I have any other grandparents here tonight? Oh, you folks know how I feel, right? I don't feel like a grandpa. I still do all the things I used to do. Like, uh, I'm, in, I'm only 56. I'm in perfect physical shape, and I know I'm a little bit bigger, but I don't think you're seeing the real me. Uh, this is my Halloween costume I wore at the last minute. I went as bloated Charlie Sheen. That's why I look like two and a half men. But uh, I, I am trying to lose weight. Is anybody else? Really? It seems like there should be more. You folks know I can see you, right? I, can't see everybody's faces, but I can see shapes. But uh, you folks don't probably feel like grandparents either, right? Until you get these realizations that occur. For us, it was one day when we walked into my wife's, our bedroom, my oldest granddaughter was going through my wife's jewelry box, and we'd seen our own daughter do this with her grandmother's jewelry box, seemed just like yesterday. My own grandpa realization actually occurred, but it was after something had happened when I realized I just licked whipped cream off of somebody's grandma. Is that like what happened with you folks? <laughs> but my wife and I have been married for 32 years now. Thanks. No, things have changed. Things have changed, especially in the intimacy department. For example, the other night we were laying in bed next to each other, and I asked her, so you want to fool around? She texted me back and said, sure. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> folks, you've been a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you very much. The next guy coming to the stage is really a good friend of mine, and we performed a lot of times together. In fact, just like last week, give it up for Mr. Stuart Preston. White House, everybody. Thank you, Matt. Well, Tempe Center for the Arts, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing well? Good, good. I always like coming back to Tempe because I'm a Sun Devil. And you're some devils in the crowd. Yeah, go devils. I went through uh, ROTC over there, which meant that you know, I served in the military. You know what military service says about a man, right? It says my dad blew my college money in Las Vegas. That's right, the Army paid for my college. So when people thank me for my service, I'm always a little bit like, freaking A. I served in the hot deserts of Saudi Arabia, sitting in an air-conditioned van playing Tetris. But I was over there. But these days I work in corporate America. Anybody else work corporate America out there? Corporate Americans? None of you? Let's see if you can relate to it anyway. I gotta do another minute here, so bear with me. So I don't just work in corporate America. I'm like Mr. Corporate America, practically a superhero. Yeah, my PowerPoints have more power than a locomotive. I can pull together a meeting in a single email. I can squeeze four hours of work into an eight and a half hour day. But the one thing I don't get about corporate America is that first thing Monday morning team meeting. I mean, who thought that was a good idea? I can barely remember how to get back to work on Monday mornings. 
And then when I get there, they're all talking about quotas and projections and action items. You know, and I'm just sitting there nervous trying to figure out, can I put together a full sick day? I think first thing Monday morning is a good reason for a sick day, am I right? So the other day I'm uh, sitting in church. Actually, it was an In-N-Out burger. Yeah, sometimes I get confused, because I don't know if you know this, but they have Bible verses, you know, stamped on their cups and wrappers. You know, if you don't know that, you can go check it out. Like on the uh, milkshake cup. They, yeah, they do. They do. Check it out. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. Because I have a whole joke based on it. So it's, it's true. <clears throat> so on the bottom of the milkshake cup, they've got Proverbs 3, 5, which is, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, for our milkshake bring all the boys to the yard. On the bottom of the hamburger wrapper, or on the hamburger wrapper, is John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, order from the secret menu. Have you at least seen the secret menu over there? Yeah, that double-double animal style. A couple more of those, I'm going to find Jesus. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's what their plan is, you know? Let's make really great burgers. People will keep coming back, we'll put Bible verses on them, and they'll find Jesus through osmosis. In fact, I think that they should try this with the, uh, the missionaries, right? You know, when they knock on your door trying to sell you their church, you're just about to slam the door in their face. They're like, well, we got double-doubles. Well, why do you say so? Come on in. Tell me about this Jesus guy. Did he create these? These things are great. So I totally offended everybody. No. <laughs> just half of you? All right. <clears throat> so we'll try a little more offense here. You see they're building the, uh, an aquarium over there in Phoenix, in Scottsdale? Yeah, I mean, an aquarium in Arizona. Isn't that like a school in Arkansas? Uh, I don't know if I can use on though. I used to feel bad about that joke until I found out that in Arkansas they have a holiday where they celebrate both Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert E. Lee. I mean, I guess here in Arizona we should have a holiday for both Cesar Chavez and Joe Pio. <laughs> but having the aquarium does make a little more sense than having a zoo here. I mean, if you've been to the zoo, the Phoenix Zoo, it's an awesome zoo. But it's just so hot. You know, normally when you go to a zoo like in San Diego or San Antonio or something, you know, you get up that fun little cartoon map, you know, and you get all excited. Let's go see the lions, let's see the monkeys, right? And the whole family goes off. Here in Phoenix, you get off the map, and you plot your way from water station to water station, just trying to get out alive. You know, and as you make your way through the park, you know, the animals, are, there's evidence there are others there before you, right? There's empty water bottles, abandoned strollers, the sick and the elderly, you know? And the animals are just laying around like the morning after a frat party. You know, even the African animals are like, Get me back to Africa. <laughs> and then before you get out, they make you go to that desert critters exhibit, you know, with the black widows and the scorpions and all that. I mean, don't they realize we've got those things at home? <laughs> and we do. You know, if you're like me and you're not from Arizona, you probably remember your first scorpion. You know, you're just walking down the hallway in your house and your brain is like, hey, what's that? And you look over, like, it's like this demonic roach with pinchers and a stinger in your wall. And you can tell I'm not real religious. But that moment, I started to pray. But I started performing witchcraft. I was putting white powder around the outside of my house. I planted lavender plants and reading verses off in and out wrappers. And as a protective parent, you know, I get concerned. I'm like, I hope if somebody gets stung, it's one of the kids. Yeah, thank you for laughing. Yeah. Let me, I'll tell you, the, 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 pain of a, the physical pain of a sting will wear off long before the emotional scars of watching their father cry like a baby. So it'll all be for the best. So uh, when I order a pizza, I don't know if you guys have been through this, sometimes I really prefer technology over human interaction. So when I order a pizza, I always do it from a place to have that online ordering system. 
Because when you call up, I don't know if you've experienced this, you call up order a pizza, it's like being interrogated. You know, as soon as you call, they're like, thanks for calling, please hold. And now you're sitting there in that holding cell waiting for the pizza interrogator to come back. You know, so when they come back on, they're like, what's your phone number? Cash or credit? Take out or delivery? What do you want? I don't know, I didn't do it. Slam the phone down. Of course, you can't really slam your phone down anymore, right? It's just a piece of glass. You know, that's why I blame the iPhone for all the mass murders in America. We can't take our frustrations out on our phones anymore. I remember the good old days when you could be having like really tense conversation with somebody like the cable company or your mother. You know, you'd like, fine, slam the phone down. All it would do is let us a little ding. You know, like end of round one. You know, now you can have that same conversation and you'd be like, fine. It's all pent up. So I'm gonna leave you guys with this last one. My wife and I decided to homeschool our kids. You know, because our attitude is why should we trust our kids' education to the public school system when they can learn math from two people who failed algebra three times? <laughs> but it turns out that teaching math actually is not the challenge. The challenge is teaching history. Because how do you relate something that happened over 200 years ago to a couple of kids just sitting around texting all day? So when I had to teach the Declaration of Independence, I put it like this. I was like, all right, kiddos, here's how it went down. The Founding Fathers decided they wanted to declare independence from England. So they all gathered around Thomas Jefferson as he sent off that famous text message. He said, we're not that into you, we're breaking up. Send. <laughs> and then they sat around nervously waiting for what must have felt like minutes for a reply. When a reply finally came back in, they're like, what did it say? What did it say? It says, who is this? Like, oh, you texted France by accident. And right at that moment, John Hancock yelled out. He tweeted, King George tweeted, says, at colonies, I'm coming for you, hashtag redcoats. Paul Revere started tweeting out, the British are coming, the British are coming, hashtag revolution. Patrick Henry posts a selfie to Instagram, give me liberty or give me death. And by the time Betsy Ross gets involved, the whole revolution ends up on Pinterest. All right, thank you, Tevi Center for the Arts. Thank you, thank you. Let's keep it going. The next comment, good friend of mine, straight from the retirement home, my good friend, Arthur Belkind. Give it up for him. Thank you, Arthur. Hi, everyone. My name is Arthur Belkind, and I'm really excited to, to be here tonight. Actually, I'm excited to be anywhere tonight. I want to start by thanking you guys for coming out here. Support's incredibly important to, to all of us. But to be very honest, it's a lot more important to me. You can see I'm quite a bit older than my colleagues, and my timeline for success is quite a bit smaller, so you seem like a good crowd. I'm hoping you'll work with me tonight. Here's the plan. I skip the jokes, you go right to the laughter, and I can get the hell out of here and go home to bed where I belong. At my age, I should be doing lie down, not stand up. If anyone has a chance of dying up here tonight, you're looking at them. I'm so old, I remember when the Dead Sea was sick. I can remember rainbows when they were black and white. And how's this? I remember preparation A. I've seen Halley's Comet 27 times. And I can actually remember when the Congress did something. Now, you know, that was a long time ago. I gotta tell you, I, I don't get mad easily. 
and I don't care if you're red or green or blue or anything in between, those morons in Congress have done nothing for years. And whether we agree with it or not, at least some of the states have tried to do something. Some of them passed laws legalizing gay marriage, controversial. Some of them passed laws legalizing marijuana, controversial, especially with the re religious right. But that's the part that confuses me. If you read the Bible, and Leviticus, it clearly states, if a man layeth with another man, they shall be stoned. Slovak, you're good. But we don't read the Bible enough. You know, the first mention of PMS was in the Bible. And Mary rode Joseph's ass all the way to Bethlehem. <laughs> Another thing that ticks me off is the unnecessary re remake of movies, classics, like The Wizard of Oz or Willy Wonka. And I went back and I watched The Wizard of Oz a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't help but thinking when I was watching Dorothy, if she were alive today and encountered men that didn't have brains or hearts or courage, she wouldn't be an honest. She'd be standing right in the middle of the halls of Congress. They just really get me mad. You know, they just don't get it. I mean, what's so hard? It's, it's the economy, stupid. I'm starting to get pre-declined credit cards. My friends who run major corporations are taking their clients to play miniature golf. They're going to be changing the name of Wall Street to Walmart Street. Motel 6 doesn't leave the light on anymore. You know, it really gets bad when a picture now is only worth 200 words. And Angelina Jolie is contemplating adopting American kids. And you know something's really going on. Another thing that annoys me is going to the airport. I remember when flying used to be fun. Not anymore. It's a nightmare. The first thing that happens is somebody orders you to take off your shoes and your hat and your jacket and your belt, empty your pockets, take out your computer, and that's a thief in the parking lot. But the part that gets me the most is everybody in the free world has to take their shoes off because of that moron shoe bomber. Why couldn't you have been a bra bomber? <laughs> then you have TSA. These are the most inept human beings on the face of the earth. Am, am I right? And here's the saddest part. There's absolutely nothing they can do to get better. Once you're inept, you can't become apt. There's no such thing. We have crazy words like that. I'm sure you've all been disgruntled. Ever been gruntled? I've been overwhelmed. I've been underwhelmed. Ever been whelmed? I think I was at a Willie Nelson concert in the, in the 70s, but, but I digress. Get, getting back to our friends from TSA, at least the authorities here have just done something about a couple of these people that were just cited so many times for being overly aggressive and groping and fondling, and they just transferred them to another parish. <laughs> I do want to share a wonderful thing with you. I just came back from New York. I went to my 55th high school reunion. 55 years, Forest Post High School in Queens, New York. I was the only one that showed up. Still couldn't win most popular. And I was very disappointed. Two of my classmates were Simon and Garfunkel. And it's true that they really were, and I was always very jealous of them. I always wanted to be a rock and roll singer, but uh, I, I never could make it. I tried to teach myself the guitar, 
but I found out you weren't supposed to blow into it. But uh, uh, rock and roll, you know, the, the, like the Rolling Stones just got done doing their 50th uh, annual tour. And 50, these guys are in their 70s. And I think they probably should have called it the wheelchair tour. But they need to start to think about changing their names. I don't think the Rolling Stones quite make it anymore. It'd be more like the Kidney Stones. And they're not the only ones. What about Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Not Very Young? The Grateful We're Not Dead? The Bald Eagles? Fifth Dementia? Earth, Wind, and Fiber? And of course, Tom Petty and the Pacemakers. And I, I went on to school in New York, and I'm gonna finish up with this. I went to New York University in the early 60s, and those were very fun times. And I've been thinking lately, comparing about my life now and my life then. Of course, then I did acid. Now it's antacid. <laughs> now I do weed killer. And then it was killer weed. And back in the day, we always used to look for new hip joints to go to. Now I settled just for a new hip joint. And of course, the thing I coveted the most back then was a BMW. And now I gladly settled just for the BM part of it. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. You did terrific. Thanks for coming out. Keep laughing. Take care of each other. And I know our next comic's going to take care of you. He's wonderful. He's funny. You've seen him on MTV, the Laugh Factory, and all the major clubs in town. Please welcome Matt Martin. at Starbucks that I do in my free time. <laughs> Anybody here from work? That's what I thought. I have no friends. That is pretty much my life. I try to tell people I do comedy. I'm like, yeah, I do some stand-up comedy. They're like, we're at Tiffany Center for the Arts. They're like, oh, let us know when you're going to perform again. I'm like, this Friday. Like, oh, I can't do it this Friday. <laughs> okay, let us know when the next show is. I'm like, actually, the next show is tomorrow night in your kitchen. They're like, oh, tomorrow night, we're going to be spending a lot of time in the living room. Sorry, can't make it to that show. I should have just stayed home and shot myself. Like, that's kind of where I'm feeling. Like, that's kind of where I'm at. Just like, oh my God, like, where is my life going? Do I have enough to pay my bills? Is my car going to break down? Do I need anything else at the grocery store? It's just compiling, compiling. Is my girlfriend going to love me for the next five years, the next 10 years? Am I going to be able to cheat on her in, those, in that time? You know, fingers crossed, things are happening. <laughs> so uh, I have crosses on my bracelet. Reminds me, WWJD, what would Jesus do? My other bracelet is the WWJDCDVNCCHHDDHHD bracelet. It's the What Would John Claude Van Damme, Chuck Norris, Steven Seagal Haven't Had Drinks During Happy Hour 2 bracelet. And if anybody was just listening to what I said, I changed those S's to C's. I don't know why. Anyone catch that? No. Okay. Does anybody want a bracelet? <laughs> I don't know if you guys found that, heard this, but Mendel recently discovered the gate gene. Not surprisingly, it's cutoffs. Uh, to quote his research, oh my God, his balls hanging out. That's gay. Those are gay genes. So that's uh, 
my mental joke. My friend Mike's been very depressed lately, very depressed, say everything twice, say everything twice. Because his imaginary friend Dave left him. Like, wait a second, Mike, you're telling me your imaginary friend Dave would rather not exist than be your friend? That's pathetic. Mike's like, I don't like the way you're treating me about this. I'm like, wait a second, Mike, are you saying you'd rather not exist than be my friend? So I killed him. I got a new friend now. It's his imaginary friend, Dave. Um, really cool. He helped me hide the body. I did most of the digging. He's really lazy. Not because he's imaginary, but because he's Mexican and Irish. At least I think he's Irish because he's always drunk. But he's drinking Hennessy, so he's probably black. Although he knows Kung Fu, so he's obviously a manatee. Anyways, I'm hanging out with my imaginary Mexican, Irish, drunk, black Kung Fu manatee. And I realized he's kind of a dick. He never pays. I always have to drive. He always loses the crowd when I tell people about him. That's what happened on that joke. <laughs> That's my life, almost. Almost done. Almost done with me. I've, I've been working at Starbucks. It's been, it's been interesting at, at Prime. I told my manager the other day, I was like, I just like this job. I don't want to manage the grocery store. I've been getting a lot of responsibility thrown onto me because I'm like sober now, so I do really kill myself. Um, and my manager's like, so has that been a big problem in your life, like debating whether or not to manage a grocery store? Because when I started here, I was managing a Domino's, and I told him, I'm not going to work at this job. You know, they can't tell me like 9.30 an hour and waste my time. I'm like, you just overshot what I'm making by $1.15. That's where my life is going. Um, we have to do announcements at Starbucks. And the one girl told me she had, like, she couldn't do it. She has anxiety. So I'm a comic. I think, like, you know, stage fright. Okay, like, you have stage fright. I've been doing this for a while. I think I can work her through it. And I'm like, all right, go ahead and just say it. Uh, attention fry shoppers. Does anyone feel the walls closing in on them? Oh my God, I can't breathe. Here, take the phone. I just totally spit when I said that. Yeah. I was like, give me the phone. So, um, as I always end every one of those phone calls, I got fries. And thanks for listening to me ramble for like four and a half minutes. With that being said, that's my time. Um, you guys are like, I'm not even going to I'll complain about my time with the other comics. A minute more of my comedy is what this audience needs to get them going. There's other comics that aren't even on the show tonight watching this going, I can do better than that. You know what? They're right. <laughs> One of those comics is coming up to the stage right now. He recently just headlined here last weekend, well, two weekends ago. Give it up for a very funny man, very good joke writer, always helping other people out. Ernie Green, everybody. Ernie Green. One more time for Matt. Watching the uh, watching the football uh, playoffs a couple weeks ago, and a guy got seriously injured, and they uh, took him off of the stretcher, and they came back a quarter later, and they're like, "He's doing okay." We took him to a nearby hospital, and I'm like, "Well, that's good. It'll be such a dick move if they took him to a faraway hospital." <laughs> yeah, you like that, don't you? <laughs> Thanks, buddy. So, yeah, my name is um, name's Ernie Green. I'm, I'm from Buffalo, New York, and uh, they had a big snowstorm a couple weeks ago in Buffalo, and. I went on the internet to uh, watch. I went on the internet to watch the coverage, and the the news lady said to me, "I swear to God, she goes, if you're homeless, go to our website and see where you can seek shelter." 
Got that? <laughs> now, I don't know much about the homeless, but I'm pretty sure there's no three-wheel shopping carts equipped with Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah, so people that are not too smart. Uh, my best friend, just uh, he got arrested for getting a DUI, picking up his girlfriend at the police station who got a DUI. That's a true story. My, my only hope is that they can have a kid so they finally have a designated driver. My only hidden talent is I can name all 44 presidents in sequential order, which explains why I haven't gotten laid in four score in seven years. <laughs> I'm a big fan of wrestling and the uh, WWE Network, or as I like to call it, uh, Netflix for virgins. <laughs> now you're going, now you're rocking, here we go. I knew you had laughs in you. I go to WrestleMania every year, and uh, um, this year it's in Dallas, so I can't wait to go. Dallas is a really fun town to be in, unless, of course, you're a president riding around in a convertible. <laughs> that joke always hits back into the left. <laughs> so. Being from Buffalo, I'm a big Buffalo Bills fan, which is like my scarlet letter. Yeah, so one person, one other, yeah, sorry, thank you. I didn't answer your opinion. So, <laughs> so the Bills, are, they're in a, a really long playoff drought. Their playoff drought is now 16 years old. Their playoff drought is so old, you can legally have sex with it in 30 U.S. states. It's not funny. I'm not complaining. I'm not telling jokes now. So, when I was doing my research, I found out that the legal age of consent in Washington, D.C. is 16, which means you don't have to be of legal voting age to get fucked by a politician in D.C. Thanks. 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 I told him. It's funny. So, I was on Facebook the other day, one of my close friends, she goes, um, happy birthday to my main hoe. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, they're really, they're actually really smart, they're really good friends, but like, uh, guys, we can't use like negative connotations to like say that about each other. I can't be like, happy birthday, small penis Frank. Congrats on the promotion. One's got a blowjob from a hooker with a penis mic. I like that one, much. I recently bought a car, and uh, when I bought the car, the uh, guy goes to me, I picked it out, and he goes, Ernie, this car is your Huckleberry. I have no idea what Huckleberry means, so I meant, so I looked it up. Huckleberry means pallbearer. I apparently bought the car I'm going to die in. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't think is, which I do not think is true because I did not buy a Chevy. Ugh. You guys are tough tonight, man. <laughs> uh, the anti-vaccination uh, movement really pisses me off. Yeah, because now uh, I can't tell if a girl's lying to me or telling the truth when she says she can't hang out with me because she has polio. <laughs> I told you that joke would work, Tony Murray. <laughs> so, uh, my mom, I've been single for a while. My mom's trying to uh, get me to find somebody, and she tried to get me to uh, sign up for that ChristianMingle.com. Yeah, until she, until she found out you had to pay to be on ChristianMingle.com. She could not believe that somebody would take the word of Jesus Christ and exploit it for profit. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, mom, next thing you know, they're going to start passing around collection plates at church. <laughs> I, uh, I recently dated a female cop. During foreplay, she wrote me a speeding ticket. <laughs> did, I, did I come too soon? Now, do I have to explain the innuendo to you? You're like the oldest person here. You're the only person that got my four score in seven years joke because you had, because you had sex with freaking Abraham Lincoln. 
Holy shit. You know last person I've explained sexuality things to. Holy shit. So. I'm glad, I'm glad you find it funny. You're having a good time. How do you how do you make this girl laugh on Wednesday? Tell her a joke on Monday. Oh my goodness. So I asked the girl the other day if she thinks too much and she said no. Took her took her ten minutes to answer. You're awesome. <laughs> um, I've been shot down so many times on Tinder. My profile is now sponsored by Malaysian Airlines. <laughs> that was more really offensive now. So I was on Facebook the other day and I started hitting on this girl and it turns out that she's A, married, and B, like a long lost distant cousin of mine. Yeah, that really grossed me out. I mean, I had no idea she was married. <laughs> This time you, you approved my incestuous ways. Thank you. I appreciate that. What, was she a kissing thing? Okay, this is my time now. <laughs> All right, this is mine. You, you'll have your time soon. Uh, the last girl I dated, she uh, she's a special ed teacher. She, dated, she uh, dealt with really, really bad kids. Yeah, those kids spit on her, pulled her hair, and degraded her. Once in a while, they did things that did not turn her on. I told you I was getting gross, people. <laughs> so, other girls other day said, hey Ernie, you want to come over? I go, sure, on February uh, 6th, why? So I can tell all my jokes about not getting laid on February 5th. <laughs> Sorry, my name is Ernie Green, thank you very much. <laughs> Coming on stage is a very, very funny friend of mine. He, he headlines here also, once in a while, a good guy, very funny. Give it up for Jim Bagbaugh!
Yeah. Good luck to me not being an alcoholic. I grew up in a state where the motto is, I don't care if you're nine years old, finish your beer. Don't be a bitch, Jimmy. I was the first Cub Scout to ever earn the nicotine patch. Uh, people in Wisconsin like to drink. That is no joke. You're quite welcome. Thanks for the feedback. Are you from Wisconsin? Yeah, what are you drinking? Is that why they kicked you out? Get the fuck out of here with your ice water. <laughs> Back me up though, people from Wisconsin do like to drink, right? That is no joke, man. People take it serious too. Wisconsin trees drinking like, like an Olympic sport. And they win the gold every year. Wisconsin is like the 1988 dream team of drinking, man, with like Michael Jordan. You just, you're not gonna beat him. It's not gonna happen. You know, um, the first time I took my wife back to visit Wisconsin to meet my family and friends, I had to give her a bit of a locker room speech on the plane on the way over there. I was like, sweetie, here's the deal. People from Wisconsin like to drink. She said, oh, I like to drink. I said, oh, so precious. No, you don't. People from Wisconsin like to drink. You are what we like to call a casual observer. You are a lightweight. So when people try to engage you in shenanigans, um, disengage, because once you do, it cannot help you. That's just a heads up. And sure enough, once we got to Wisconsin, we went out, my cousins took us out to a German bar. And my poor wife, she went up to the bartender, just get a drink, and the bartender was like, what kind of shot would you like? She says, um, you know, I think I'm just gonna have some wine. Mm. I ask again, what kind of shot would you like? She said, um, okay, I suppose I'll try a little bit of fireball. Mm. You will have Jägermeister. Drink it and don't be a pussy. And then my cousins insisted we play this game called Hammerschlagen. And Hammerschlagen is a German thing and uh, loosely translated it means drunk people about to lose a finger. It's uh, <laughs> Hammerschlagen is really simple. What it is, it's a, it's a big hunk of wood with a giant oversized metal hammer, some nails, and a bunch of drunk people who are looking for a good time and don't give a shit about their own safety. <laughs> so the way that it works is everybody gets in a circle, everybody gets a nail, and everybody gets one swing to drive the nail into the wood, and then the next person goes until you either, you know, lose a finger or die. And then the next person goes. Until there's one person left. How much rockin'? That's how it's officially pronounced, by the way. <sighs> Feeling whelmed again. Um, having a good time on a Friday night. Thanks for coming out. This is actually a ton of fun. Comedy on the lake. It's always a good time. You don't get that everywhere. I, uh, I do like to drink. I, uh, <clears throat> I like, they have all these stupid sayings when you're drinking. You know, they're supposed to keep you safe, keep you out of trouble. Like, beer before liquor, sicker, quicker. 
liquor before beer, never fear. I think they need to come up with some new sayings. I don't know, maybe something like, meth before wine, end up on Dateline. <laughs> Ecstasy before beer, might try something queer. <laughs> beer before tequila, bang a fat chick. <laughs> so I have a dog and we've had some really great bonding moments, um, like the time that we both took a shit in front of my neighbor's condo. I find it cute that some of you think I'm making this up right now. This really happened a couple of months ago. I had to take my dog out um, and I had too much beer and hot wings right beforehand. And I figured halfway through the walk, my dog wasn't the only one that had to do his business. Still a good distance away from the condo, I realized, ready or not, this is happening. So as I saw it, I had about 10 seconds to process this information. As I saw it, I had two options. I had option A, I could drop trial, squat down, and take care of business right here. Or option B, I could literally soil myself, walk back to, up to my condo, and clean up afterwards. I chose option A. So I dropped trial, squatted down, took care of business. At that moment, my, do my dog locked eyes with me. As though to say, oh, this is happening. So he runs over, he sidles up next to me, same direction, boom, tandem shit. The whole time I could just, all I could think about was, I wonder if this is some type of HOA violation. At that moment, this lady turns the corner, sees what's happened, and she's just petrified, just stops in her tracks, and be without skipping a beat, I said, oh, whoa, whoa, no, it's not what it looks like. He's a slow learner. <laughs> but I think he's got it now. Hey, you guys have been a lot of fun. My name is Jim Bambro. <laughs> gonna keep the show rolling. That gentleman come up to the stage, a good friend of mine, he's very funny, he's gonna come make you laugh. Welcome to the stage, Gavin Bloom. <laughs> Okay, everybody, let's uh, let's give a hand for all the comics that you've seen tonight. Thank you, guys. Excellent. Right, it's Friday. I'm, I'm so glad it's Friday. That means the weekend. We all get to relax a little bit. Stop complaining, right? We get to just enjoy ourselves. My, my friend was complaining to me uh, that his back hurts. Why? Uh, too much sex. Like, I'm supposed to feel bad for him. My back hurts. Too much sex. Yeah, that's prison life. <laughs> <laughs> I got a massage the other day and it was my first one. And I, I've been having a lot of tension in, in, my, in my shoulders and uh, you know, a lot of stress. Uh, I went to Massage Envy, you guys are familiar with Massage Envy? Right, hey, okay. Did you get a group on also? <laughs> nice, okay. Well, it was my first one, you know? I didn't know what to expect other than I was gonna have a massage and I heard that they're really relaxing, so I was looking forward to it. Uh, my masseuse walks through the door and his name was Damon. And I know that can make a lot of men feel uncomfortable, having another guy, you know, do that to him, you know? But I was comfortable with it, because it's a massage, he's a professional, you know, I was fine with it. Damon walks through the door, I'm comfortable, he tells me to strip down to my comfort level, which I did, it's fine with it, right? He has me on my back, I'm, I'm in a towel, I was comfortable. You know, he gets a really 
tight spots, and I was comfortable with all of it. And that's what makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, my name is Gavin Bloom. I was born in South Africa, and I'm Jewish. And I do not say that to brag. I say that to break down those walls of stereotype, because not only was I born in Africa, and I'm white, but I'm a Jew and broke. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, a buddy of mine and I were, were coming off the, uh, the freeway, and we saw a panhandler standing there with his cardboard sign. And it read, I have to do this because I can't work. Anything will help. Well, I consider myself a compassionate individual. I like to give charity. And I would have felt bad for this guy if it weren't for the fact that within five minutes of walking distance, there was a mattress firm hiring for a sign holder. <laughs> I don't need your pity. So anything will help, you know? I got him an application. It's the least I could do for a fellow Arizona State graduate. <laughs> I like a girl who talks dirty. I think, that's, I think that's pretty hot. I was dating a girl, and she did something I liked. She's like, oh, you, you like that? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I like that. She looks me right in the face and says, 50 bucks. <laughs> Don't have to tell you that relationship didn't last long. I'm broke. <laughs> My parents still live in Scottsdale, and they are about to celebrate their 39th wedding anniversary. Straight through, 39 years. And uh, I love my parents, they've taught me a lot. Most important thing, marriage is a bad idea. <laughs> All they do is pull me aside and talk shit about the other one. Like, if that's what love is, count me out. But I get it, like you, you wake up next to the same person for 39 years, it's gonna take its toll, you get tired of that person, that person's gonna irritate you. You know, marriage is a lot like suicide if you think about it, because it's not enough to talk about it, you have to commit. <laughs> My parents want me to find a Jewish girl that would make them, them happy, but I've, I've realized that the more I date Jewish girls, the less I want to date Jewish girls. They can be a little cunty. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't, I don't get them. I don't know. Like they're, they're looking for something that they're saying that that is completely different to what they're telling you they're looking for. They want a nice Jewish boy. They want a nice Jewish boy. But what that means is that they want a lawyer or they want a doctor. And I'm not gonna be a doctor. It's just not gonna happen. It wasn't in the cards for me. And it's not because of the studying involved or how competitive it is. It's like let's just be honest. Some people just aren't worth saving. <laughs> My parents worry about me. They just want me to be happy and successful. Because if I'm happy and successful, then they're happy and successful. It's like a win-win. They're always worried that they're going to find me lying face down dead in a ditch somewhere, which is ridiculous. Because the police will. <laughs> and then they'll contact my parents. And I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Anyway, yeah, they want me to marry a Jewish girl. I, I've come to terms that I, I just don't think that I'm cut out to be married. I just don't think it's something practical for me. And I mean, why would I want to get married anyway? Who does that anymore? I'm not gay. <laughs> Keep drinking, guys. Uh, if it doesn't get funnier, you will feel better anyway. I don't know what you're All right, what else? I think 
Uh, I don't understand women. Again, they're projecting something that they are looking for, but really they are not looking for that. Like, they want a nice guy. They want a good man, right? But they keep dating dicks, douchebags, and assholes, and if I remember right, you are what you eat, so that seems kind of counterproductive, right? Especially when you got a perfectly good pussy right here. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, think, uh, I think maybe it's because I know what I like, and that makes it hard to find a good girl. Like, I won't sleep with girls who drive BMWs. They won't let me. <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's okay. Being single is not bad. Uh, for one, you're, you're definitely not in a relationship that's bad for you, right? Because on the, on the one hand, you have your freedom, you have your autonomy. I can go out, I can stay in, I can see my friends again, right? It's all good. On the other hand, you know what I've been doing with my other hand. <laughs> not since Hitler has one man been responsible for the death of so many unborn Jews. <laughs> gentlemen, I'm going to bring back your host, uh, Mr. Keith Ellis. Thank you so much. You guys like getting shocked. Like, <laughs> 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 when you say this, like, ah! Everybody's like, oh my god! You heard this thing, you tighten up. Oh, okay. You guys doing okay? Yeah. All right, all right, because I'm like, I'm going to get you a headliner up here. Uh, you know, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> you guys are funny. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll get your headliner up here, but when I bring him, before I bring him up, and this is what I would like from you guys, since since he's coming in and you know I'm here to do this show. Always, oh, that's my phone going off in the back. Shh. I just want you know your energy. I want your energy level to be high. This is how you welcome the out-of-towners to show them your love for comedy and then other shows that happen around here. Uh, just like, you know, the energy, the more energy you put out is the energy that you get back from the comics and so forth. But this gentleman, he has appeared on Conan, he's done Craig Ferguson, he's also been on Letterman. So for your head, man, a round of applause, put your hands together for Mr. Jim Shaw! Southern California. 
And I've been traveling quite a lot. I was up in Seattle, up in the Pacific. Now I'm doing some traveling stuff up front in case, you know, just ease you into it before we get to the really great jokes. So, um, sort of the preamble. But um, it's good, they're good stuff too. I'm not trying to tell you they're not good jokes, but you know. So I was, um, <laughs> Um, I'm from Australia. I, I should I should have said that. I, I we're at a point in American history that if you're from somewhere else, I've learned that you should say straight up where you're from, just so people can go, okay, I heard of that. I'm alright with them. So I was in Seattle, and uh, you're in up there, rainy, uh, coffee. That's what we know about Seattle. Coffee everywhere. Everywhere there's a coffee shop. Every every two feet there's a Starbucks. You know. Uh, but I don't know if you've ever been there. They protest. They're, they're very active people in Seattle. They're always protesting because I think they just drink all that caffeine and they're amped up. They're like, let's take it to the streets. Or they're out marching. Somebody's in the back like, what are we protesting about? I don't know. I'm just really pissed off. And I'm still awake. Been up for about 12 days. I made signs. They're alphabetized. Grab one. So, uh, here's, here's the real act. Okay, so I... Um, I live in America. I've been here for a long time. As I said, I'm from Australia originally. When I was when I was 12 years old, I was stolen away from my home country by pirates. I mean, my parents, and we um, we moved to America, right? And we moved to Texas, and that's a fun move right there, because people in Texas are very open and welcoming to all outsiders. <laughs> people would just gather around. Hey, man, you talk kind of weird. That's what I get in Texas because they're highly perceptive people in that state. They have this ability to just listen to you and then go, you're not from around here. Anybody, go over to Texas. Within a second of being in that state, somebody will be in your face, you're not from around here. It's a service <laughs> that they provide for free. Just to let you know you're not from Texas. In case you're like, you're not from around here, thank you. I'm and with me, they just guess, where are you from, man? Are you from, uh, you from England? And I have to clear it up. I'm actually from Australia. And I sort of, hot damn, I was close. <laughs> right? You weren't that close. He was at least a hemisphere away. You think somebody might have sat down on your globe at some point. Squashed up your world's perspective. But I do get weird questions, and I understand Australia is a bizarre, strange, weird place. You know, upside down on the other side of the world, and who knows what goes on down there, and it's deadly, and everything will kill you. Um, but uh, like in the holidays, you know, we just come out of that. Uh, I, as soon as November hits, somebody wants to ask me about Australia, and I always hear, uh, "Do you guys have Thanksgiving in Australia?" And I want to go. Well, um, you couldn't figure that out on your own. Because <laughs> we do not celebrate the pilgrims landing in America. It's just not a huge holiday in Australia. It is less popular than 4th of July down under. <laughs> and we love fireworks. We'd be into that one. What's that for? Freedom, independence. We used to let the Queen on our money. We do, we have the Queen, unlike you. See, here's, here's what I feel. Uh, historically, culturally, Australians and Americans, we're kind of the same people, right? If you go back historically at the beginning of it, settled by the British, it's just you got away quicker than we did. You guys had, had very smart forefathers. They, they were like, no, this is not good. And that's why you don't have a royal family. Queen Elizabeth isn't on your cash. 
You don't play cricket. That's how lucky you are. <laughs> right? You don't even know what cricket is. You've heard of it. It's a game, an insect, a band. I'm not sure, but you don't have it. Because you kicked England out of America before they could even bring cricket to your country. You are lucky. That was your revolution. No taxation without representation. Uh, and no cricket. <laughs> you showed England, right? You threw their tea in the harbor. Splash, yeah. We'll have a latte instead, jackass. <laughs> you signed the Declaration of Independence. 4th of July, 1776. Everyone in the world pretty much knows that date. That's how landmark it is. But what you may not know is a boat left England on the 3rd of July, full of cricket bats <laughs> and wickets and other crickety things headed to the Americas. And you guys signed that. You John Hancock blocked cricket from your shores. <laughs> That's the greatest historical dirty joke ever written. And the second mention of John Hancock tonight. That's the new trend in comedy, Hancock. Big signatures. Anyway, so it is nice to be here telling jokes, because that's what I do. I tell jokes, and I thought, okay, you know, brand new year. I've done this for a long time. What do I have to show for myself, you know? I, uh, I make about $6,000 a year doing this. <laughs> Every year that joke becomes a little bit more true. Um, <laughs> I have, uh, you know, I have some books, I have some CDs at home, and that's it. And that's all I have accomplished. That's all I've accrued. And I thought, man, I'm a loser. That's hard to sort of face up to. And then it hit me and I thought about it. I'm like, I'm not a loser. I've tried. I am a failure. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's perspective, it's how you look at it. Oh, I'm not old, I'm vintage. <laughs> and I'm joking, of course. I'm hugely successful by my standards. I'm here tonight, brilliant by the water, doing jokes, that's a win. I've been on television. Uh, well, actually, I've been on, I've been on late night television. You know, there's a difference. If you have jobs, lives, friends, meaningful things to do, you've never seen me. <laughs> if you have insomnia or an alcohol problem, you buy things from infomercials, those are the people who might be familiar with my work. <laughs> I'm on late night, I'm on in the middle of the night. It's me, vacuum haircutters, food dehydrators. <laughs> Things that people don't need, right? That's why infomercials are successful. People are drunk and sleepy and they got phone. <laughs> you don't need food dehydrated. No one's ever in the kitchen. This food is too wet and juicy. <laughs> it taunts me with freshness and moisture. <laughs> if only we could suck it dry somehow. <laughs> they push it on you, right? With the food dehydrator, you can make beef jerky at home. All right, finally. <laughs> it's the promise of jerky in abundance. Tired of having a carcass stretched out in the backyard, <laughs> waiting for a heat wave to get some joke. So I was on some uh, late night talk shows. Although I was thinking about it, and um, the curious thing is that every show I was on uh, is no longer on TV. But that's nothing to do with me. Um, uh, well, I, well, I was on Conan. I was on the original Conan, and he's still on TV, but he's on a different thing. I was on the, the first one. And when I was on uh, Craig Ferguson, he had a talk show, this Scottish gentleman, he had a late night show, and I went on there. That, that is a lot of accents for one hour on American TV. <laughs> People got confused. Um, they thought they were watching PBS. <laughs> they were waiting for us to solve a murder. 
<laughs> I uh, I did get to uh, did get to be on the Late Show with David Letterman. David, TV icon, broadcasting legend, just retired last year. Every night there were movie stars, celebrity guests. So people will ask me, "Hey, you you did that show? You did the, one of the greatest shows ever in television history? You you were part of that fine legacy?" Uh, actually, nobody's ever said that, but um, that's what they're thinking. Um, people say, well, who else was on because they want to be impressed? Who else was on your episode? And I get to tell them I was on with Al Gore. That was my show. <laughs> and I did really well. I had a great set. Um, and I'm not bragging. I'm not boasting. I'm just going to tell you this. If you want to be hilarious on national television, have Al Gore go first. <laughs> Oh, you will rock the house after Al Gore sets him up perfectly. He, he was my global warmer, you might say. <laughs> but, I, uh, let me put, I've got too much stuff. I got to, my pockets are full. I'm put my glasses, I have to have glasses now. That's a new thing. I was here a year and a half ago. Fantastic vision. It happens quick, doesn't it? You know, I mean, I can still see, but for the for like the close-up stuff, that it's like overnight. You know, it's like it's like oh, you're reading something, you like turn the page, oh, I can't, it's blurred, I can't see anything. And I'm not that old, but you know what I mean. It, it, it's is there anything good about it? There's one or two things, not really one or two, you know. But it, your body, it 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 like the eyes, uh, it's harder to hear. Um, I'm at that point where you, you reach an age where. Here's how you know you're getting a bit older. If, if, you're, if, you, if you're out and about and you drop something, you have to think really hard as to whether you still need that item that you just dropped. <laughs> like if I drop these, I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna have to get down. If I drop my keys, my wallet, you know, and, oh, donut, I'm, like, oh, I'm walking away from that one, it's all right. Because <laughs> you can get down there, you know? You can get, it's a bit of a, but you know, the, the chance of getting back up gracefully, that's the tricky bit right there, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything good about it? The only thing I've found that's good about being older is, and I'm not, you know, like that old, I guess, but I mean, you can, um, you get to an age where people just accept it if you, if you can kind of be cranky, and they're like, oh, just a cranky old dude. Yeah, that's all I got. I'm in pain. I can't read. <laughs> I'm pissed off. You can judge people younger than you for how they look. And I think that's always happened. Throughout history and society, right? Okay, so the other day I'm in I'm in LA where I live in show business, and I, I go get a, I gotta get a coffee. I go to the coffee shop to get a cup of coffee. That's why I think coffee is in the name of this business. So I'm gonna go in there and get a cup of coffee. But no, I'm standing there behind about 15 people deep in a line. They're getting milkshakes and whipped cream and chocolate sundaes and well, coffee. What's going on here? Desserts, you know? And I don't know how you are. I'm addicted to it, so I just want the cup of brown liquid. But I'm gonna wait all this time for I don't know if you're as affected by it as I am, but um, I'm just gonna say that if, if your beverage involves a straw, you might be part of the problem. <laughs> Coffee beverage. So I finally get up there, right? And it's a, it's a quick transaction. I give the guy $2 and I get a cup of co coffee and I can leave, and you know, and um, and there's, there's a bit of change. About, about 25 cents I get back from this guy, and um, there's a tip jar, 
And I, there's no dilemma for me. I, I'm, I'm happy to give it to them, you know, it's just a small token, whatever, there you go, you're working, bang, there you go. But then I'm looking at the guy who did, who, who poured the coffee and, and did the transaction, and, uh, and, I, and I just have this feeling, I know he's only gonna take all this money and put it together and use it to do more weird shit to his ears. <laughs> and I just can't be a part of that. <laughs> And that's, that's age for me, where I'm, like, I'm judging this dude. I don't know why you had to pull him down and put something in there. I don't, I just, I, I know you think it's cool, but I think you look like a wanker. But that's, and you can look at me and go, well, look at you. this isn't style, this isn't fashion, this is neglect. <laughs> but the lobes, pretty much unadorned. I mean, I don't know, can I, can I put the quarter in there? <laughs> I'll get a refill and put one on the other side, and we'll get a matching set. I just don't understand why you need to do that, but that's me. I'm at that age where I'm like, what is it? You look stupid. <laughs> it's like, do you have the hipster guys out here? I think they've infected uh, pretty much the whole country. Um, you know these dudes where you see them and they got like a, they got a, a twisty moustache, and you go, that was never a good look. That was an asshole look a hundred years ago. That guy tied up women on train tracks in silent films. And it never got it never got better than that. Maybe barbershop quartet, but that's a crime in itself. The dudes with big beards and short hair. I just don't get that one. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna let this go mad, but this little maintenance up here. Because I've grown up through the ages, I'm sure many of you have too, maybe some of you have this look. I've seen dudes forever with, with long beards and long hair. They were wizards or roadies, other mythical kind of creatures. But I don't understand why you're like, I've got a massive big beard and short hair, I don't get that. We're like, oh, this, this, I can't let this get unruly, it's my hair, but big beard. And that guy, you ever seen that guy? He's always with the most unbelievably sophisticated, gorgeous, Beautiful woman you've ever met. You go, what's the attraction? Is that the girl that grew up watching Civil War documentaries? <laughs> and she didn't know why the sepia tone, Stonewall Jackson type just really appealed to her. <laughs> Some of the glasses. The keys, I got keys here somewhere. I don't know any jokes about the keys. So don't go there. Here comes the key chunk. <laughs> this is when we down. So, all right, let's tell some, some jokes, shall we? Um, <laughs> let's start the show. We had the preamble, then we had the ramble, and now here's the show. <laughs> Thanks for coming out tonight. You guys having a good time? <laughs> good. It's nice to have some laughs, you know? You can join a few people in a room. <laughs> I just want to see if the view is as good out here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how we choose. Like, let's have a curtain for just that bit. Because would would you be distracted if it was like water back there? Would you be like, is that fish? <laughs> probably still happened, but they probably did a couple of shows with the curtains pulled, and people were like, oh, the water's not. Or everybody had to get up and go for a wee. <laughs> I mean, I'm busted right now. I'm holding it. <laughs> I can hear it, and I'm. Like, oh, <laughs> Not really. So, I travel a lot, and uh, as I said, I drove out here today, 10. Um, 
I um, I, uh, I flew out recently. I flew. I took a flight. I flew out of uh, Los Angeles uh, X Airport, and um, it was an early morning flight. I was going to do a gig, and uh, I was in first class. Somebody else bought the ticket. I don't really have to tell you that. You can look at me and pretty much figure that out. Uh, I'm rarely in first class on my own. Um, I, I'm happy to sit in the back in coach with the people. Unless you buy me the first class ticket, then I'm right up there and nobody touched me. But <laughs> So at six in the morning, LA, uh, you get the story. So I'm sitting there and uh, it's me in first class. It's, it's just us special folks on at this point. And uh, we're putting our stuff away. And I sit down and I'm doing a bit of stuff with my, with my phone. And I notice there's an older chap in the aisle over here. An, an older gentleman, he and his wife, have brought so, have you, I don't know if you guys fly a whole bunch, but there are people who, who must be in their houses and they go, we have a lot of really lovely things here. Let's bring as much of it with us and try to find somewhere to put it on this tiny tube. <laughs> this dude is stuffing something in here and something there and something there. It's just a struggle. And he's having, and he's just having real issues with it. And I'm not paying that much attention, but I'm aware of it. And I, and I said to him, because I speak to myself sometimes when I'm sitting there, I said, uh, I said to myself, this man, in, in quiet, I didn't say it out loud, I said, this man has no concept of space. And at that moment, you know, I kind of turned and I looked up and he turned and then I saw his face and it was William Shatner. <laughs> it was Captain Kirk from Star Trek right there. So immediately I realized, okay, I've got to apologize. Uh, I'm wrong. He knows a fair amount about space. <laughs> Just not that bit, not that bit with the bats. Overhead space was his final frontier. <laughs> so now, now, now the whole dynamic has changed. Now he's not just an old dude with, with bats that you can't find. Now it's Captain Kirk. It's a celebrity. Not even just celebrity, it's a, it's a cultural icon. On my flight, even if you're not into Star Trek that much, you go, dude, it's Captain Kirk right there. So now I feel like, okay, we're both in the same business uh, of show. I should reach out to the man. And, um, you know, but what do you, well, you know, he's heard everything. He's, every time he gets on a plane, somebody goes, did you get your ticket on Priceline? Um, <laughs> he does the commercials for Priceline. Or, um, or did Scotty beam me up? Something like that. And I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to get, I want to, I want to be original. I want to boldly joke where nobody's joked before with Captain Kirk. So, you know, we take off, we're in the air now. And I'm still going, okay, what can I say? What can I break the ice? And then it hits me. You, ever, you know, you ever think of the perfect one? And now I'm waiting, like I'm sitting on it, like, okay, I'll wait till the drinks kick in, you know, get them, you know, and then I'll throw this out there. So now I'm waiting for the right moment where I can stand up and go, <clears throat> there's a man on the wing of this plane. <laughs> Some of you know your William, William Chatner, uh, 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 IMDb film history. He's in that classic Twilight Zone episode, one of the greatest episodes of TV itself, but one of the greatest Twilight Zone episodes. You know the one where he's sitting there and he's freaking out, he's looking out the window in a rainstorm as they're flying through, and he looks out and he sees a monster on the wing pulling the, the electrical stuff apart, and he freaks out, ah, nobody believes him. That's the perfect thing to yell out on a flight with William Shatner. <laughs> Except there is no moment ever on any flight to yell out, there's a man on the wing in his plane. I mean, if you ever want to fly again, I mean, that's guaranteed no fly list, right? You'll be banned from, you'll be hitchhiking the rest of your travels. Is it worth it to make an old dude go, what? <laughs> you know, you're gonna look over and see me thrown to the ground, handcuffed. <laughs> you got me, TJ Hooker. 
<laughs> so I traveled around a lot. I traveled all over uh, the Americas, um, or the America. Uh, I've lived in the Americas. I catch myself in a line there. But uh, I traveled to I traveled to Europe to do some shows uh, a little while ago, and it was cool because I'd never been to Europe, um, and so you know I was excited to go. Uh, be unsuccessful on another continent. <laughs> so I start off in uh, in Germany. Get to Berlin, Germany. That's my first gig. I went on this tour with my friend and um, get to Germany, right? And I, I get in there and um, get to my hotel room. I don't know if you've traveled abroad. It's always a bit different, you know. It's, it's a little bit different. Like the plugs, different kind of uh, plug, uh, electrical plug. So I'm going to need a, an adapter for that. Then I, then I go into the to the uh, to the bathroom, and you know, I'm jet lagged, and I get in, and, I, and, and and there's two toilets, and I'm immediately like, oh, this, this is interesting. I've never needed another toilet, never seen another toilet, never had to, you know, call out, can we get another toilet up here? <laughs> it's going to be a busy week in Berlin, Germany. And I, it's not a toilet; it's the post. There's a toilet. There's a post toilet. It's Germany. Um, it's a it's a, a sausage heavy diet. Um, <laughs> Foreshadowing what's to come. <laughs> it is, yeah, have you been to Germany? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can, yeah. Um, then I go out. Then I go out in my room, and um, I'm looking. I'm on the top floor of this hotel, and I'm looking out the window, and uh, and I and I latched the window, and I opened it, and the window it opened all the way, and that freaked me out because I've been in hotels all over America, and you do not get a full window. In an American hotel, you are not trusted with that level of window in American hotels, right? Like you can open it up, maybe maybe a little bit, a little bit out there like that. But you, you know, if you want some fresh air, you got to put a nostril up and breathe in. <laughs> but you are staying in the room. But in Europe, it's a lot more open. It's a lot more like, well, if that's the kind of day you're having, <laughs> there's so much more freedom in the EU. But Germany was, uh, I don't know if anybody's been there, Germany was really nice, but it was slightly a bit more German than I was expecting. Uh, it's, have you ever been anywhere where everybody speaks German? That is disconcerting, because I went to, I went to Paris, and I didn't understand the language, but it sounded, you could be saying horrible things to me, but it all sounded nice, oh, you know? So it gives them more of that, please. But ge everything in Germany sounds like, ein, 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 ein. It's like being yelled at for a couple of days. It's the shoutiest, angriest language. Even nice things like please, thank you, it's bitter, bitter, bitter. You go in somewhere, people go bitter. <laughs> like everyone's bitter, pissed off, and angry in Germany. <laughs> I don't think they mean to do it. I think that's just the demeanor that they sort of have. It's sort of that, that it, it's, very, it's very intimidating in some kind of ways, you know? Because they're good people. I have friends in Germany. I have, I have, I have fans in Germany. Uh, well, they're the same uh, two people, but. Um, <laughs> But I'm not anti-German. I don't want you to get that idea. I don't want, I don't want you to take that away. I'm not claustrophobic. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's on there. But honestly, if you can think of a better one, uh, send it to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. People, every time they go, Ugh. I had a woman, I did a joke, and she, like, she got, she's like, that joke is horrible. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, there's not a better joke than that. I wanted to stop the show right there, didn't I? 
But I mean, if you, if you do get a better one, look me up. Send it to me. I'll give you credit. So I went all over. I went all over uh, Europe. Went to uh, uh, Amsterdam to do some shows. Anybody been to Amsterdam? I expected Amsterdam. I've heard forever. You know, and look, I don't partake in what happens in 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 in, in, in Amsterdam. Um, I don't wear clogs. I don't smoke weed. Um, tulips, not that that interested. You know, so I'm just a regular person there. And I'm doing. I got work. You know, but what what got me is Amsterdam. Everyone is on bikes. There's a million people on bikes. And, um, and as a pedestrian, I found the bike people aren't really that friendly to people. Like bike people, they want cars to be nice to them, which they should. But bike people, I, and just this is my opinion, are never that nice to me when I'm walking about. Because bike people, in all kinds, not just Amsterdam, Seattle, uh, I don't know about here, but um, I don't know if you guys walk, have you ever experienced that? Bike people? Just kind of. And you know what I found? Living in Los Angeles, bike people and people in a Prius. They're always trying to run me over. Because Prius owners care about the environment, just not anyone else in it, apparently. But anyway, so I'm walking down the street in Amsterdam, and I got, here's what it is. It's millions of people on bikes, and they come up behind you, right? It's very passive aggressive the way they do this, you know? And, and, they're, and they're like gangs, of, and, and they're all in a hurry, which surprised me, because I thought everyone was high. I thought nobody's gonna need to get anywhere this quickly. But they're all in a rush. And, and they come up, it's like Sons of Anarchy on 10 speeds. And they all come up behind you, and what they do is, for you to get out of the way, they ring their bell. Cling, 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 cling. And that's your signal as the pedestrian to get out of their way. Which I think is an asshole move. Piss off, I'm walking, you know? It's like if I walk down the street and I see an older guy coming towards me, and I start moving towards him, and I get right up, and I get, and as soon as I get right up in front of him, I pull out the bell, and they go, cling, 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 and I kick him in the balls. And this poor bloke's like, oh, and I look at him, and I go, I rang the bell. You go, well, that guy's a knob. I, um, I, told my, I was telling my parents about my trip to, um, to uh, Amsterdam, let me check my watches. See. Did, did you guys give me the light before? No. Oh, okay, that was somebody on their phone. Because that's what, I, I don't want to go over, because I still got some, but somebody was on their phone back there, and that's why I got distracted. If you look, if, you, if it seemed like a little while ago when I was talking about Germany, I was like, what's going on? Uh, somebody back there was on there, because that's it, somebody was back there on their phone, like that, and from over there I, I, I see the, Get the hell off the stage. Because <laughs> these things, have they enhanced our lives and also ruined society at the same time? Don't we have the ruination of society in our pockets? You don't know about what? What? I do have hoodies. It's the only thing that still works. <laughs> well, you, well, you didn't know about what? I don't want to put you on the spot. I just don't know what you're talking about. Well, no, I think in some ways it has. Do you, I mean, would you say so? I'd be a fence rider. You'd be a fence rider. Well, I think I think it's like um, attention span, right? Um, you ever go to the cinema, the movies? What do you call it out here? And you're sitting there, and some 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 somebody has to put that on. I went to go see the James Bond. I don't know about you. I'm broke. I'm broke. I, I don't have enough money. If I go to a movie now, 
I have to, you know, I have to really enjoy the experience. Like, don't talk. I become horrible in it. Shut up, you know. I'm that guy because I paid twenty bucks. So I got, I paid this James Bond movie, and then some bloke in front of me, like in the middle of it, pulls out his phone and starts like doing. And the, you know, the, that light. It's like you just took me out of this film. You know, it's just a dumb James Bond movie. It's like I'm like twenty bucks into this thing. That's just that. Not even drinking popcorn or whatever. And then. Um, He's, he's doing like that, so I, I went over to the guy and I went, did Q mention if there's an off switch on that? <laughs> Q, he's the guy that does all the gadgets. <laughs> Do I have to explain this? <laughs> Not a great joke, anyway, but um, it happened. And then, uh, <laughs> and then it was tense and awkward. But, but then you know what I mean? I think it has. Um, I'll tell you a story right here. And uh, this is from a, from, a, from a mate of mine out here. Because he, t- he I, I, I'll tell you, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to put it on him. <laughs> Technology, it, it's all of it. Like, I'm at the point where I will stand for minutes in front of a paper towel dispenser, waving my hand, <laughs> trying to figure out, well, what motion do you need to give me the, you ever get stuck in that trance for a bit and you're just like, <laughs> you just go yelling, give me a paper towel, damn you. Yelling in a box is not healthy. That's not a healthy place to be in. So I'm trying to get, and then you, then you look over and you realize, oh, there's a wheel on the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, there's yeah, something like that. But you, we're so used to it now, like, there you go, and you will present me a paper towel and uh, tap and turn on, and sometimes I forget, oh, I'm involved. <laughs> but, um,. I'm in, I'm in Australia, which is where I'm from. I'm there, I'm there a few months ago, and it's, uh, it's a very sunny day, and I'm in Sydney. It's my last day in the country. And, uh, and I was taking some pictures. Phone, you know, Opera House, there you go. Sydney Harbour, you know, as we do. You do that? Yeah. yeah. That's not the ruin of society. That's just, you know, whatever. <laughs> Here's my ruin of my part of society and this great, beautiful world that we have out there. So now I want to immediately post this picture. Of this. There was this brilliant rainbow over Sydney Harbour, and I wanted to post it because it was just a really fantastic picture. So I'm, I'm, and I'm like, I can't because it. You ever been to Australia? It's sunny. It's a bright sun, and and like they talk to you about you know everything that's full of poison that will kill you, in in and with big fangs and sharks and and crocs and all that stuff. But what, what the other thing is, it's so. And I mean, it's pretty sunny here. Thanks for the sunburn driving in here, by the way, Arizona, in February. Um, but um, in Australia, there's no ozone anymore because we've got gigantic, you know, buds and things. We've sprayed them off, so there's a hole over Australia. So, like, when you get off the plane, when you land, like, you know, you get outside and the sun just burns your clothes off to a speedo, and you're ready for the beach, you know. And, and, and like I said, it's, it's very bright and sunny over there. And we have no foundation because we were settled by the English, you know, the, the whitest people in the world left a rainy island and they went to the sunniest place on earth. They actually burst into flames when they got off the boat, you know. <laughs> people chucking shrimps. It was the earliest Barbie ever on record. Um, so I, I'm there and I'm trying, I'm trying to get on uh, to whatever, Instagram or something like that, to post this picture. Of the of the of the of the Sydney Harbour with the this I mean there's an unbelievable rainbow and um, it's I can't see my screen because it's so washed out so I, I realised like I was trying to find some shade 
just so I could look at my stupid screen and, and I'm manipulating myself around and I realized I'm using the Sydney Opera House behind me to block so I could look at a stupid screen and post a picture rather than just enjoy it. I mean, that's, see, it, it, it's, it's, a funny, it's a funny status, right? It's just not a funny joke. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like here's this gorgeous, have you been there? Sydney, Opera House? Would you like to go? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I'm using that line. He blocked that bloody sun so I can post a stupid picture. So people will go, what was <laughs> The long journey for not that much. <laughs> but my mate Floyd there was like, that's a good joke. You should do that on stage. I've done it. And it's not worked out. But you know what? But, but I think you understand the point. It doesn't have to be funny. It's just as long as you go, it made me think. <laughs> But you know what I mean? I'm using one of the most gorgeous structures on the planet so I can post a stupid picture. That was the line right there. <laughs> I know a line when I say it. <laughs> that was it. You're done. <laughs> so I, I told, I, told uh, I should tell you this story. So my parents are lovely people. And I told my mother, I said, I'm going to go on tour in Europe. I'm going to do shows. And I was telling her, I'm, on the, I'm talking to her on the phone. And my mother worries about me. She's worried that I'm here, this close to water, I might fall in. You know, my parents, she's never given up on, you know, treating me like I'm six. So I tell her I'm going to go to Europe, I'm going to go to Germany and Switzerland and Sweden and all these places to do comedy. And she says, and she says oh, that's good. And I said, oh, I'm going to go to Amsterdam. And she got quiet. Oh, she's, she's scared. Right? Here's, what, here's what, this is no lie. Here's what my mother says to me about going to Amsterdam. She says, Amsterdam? Oh, I hope while you're in Amsterdam, nobody tries to slip anything into your drink. And I'm not making fun because I know bad things happen, but I'm not really in that demographic. <laughs> so I'm not sure what my mother thinks I get up to. <laughs> I mean, what is she worried about? I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not making fun of the bad things that happen in the world, but me? I mean, and then I go, well, maybe maybe my parents are up on this epidemic of men in their late 40s <laughs> being drugged and abducted in the Netherlands. <laughs> Might have been on Dayline. <laughs> Might be trending, you know, online. Hashtag bring back our old dudes. <laughs> but I think I'm all right. I don't think I'm going to be drugged and abducted anywhere. I think that window has closed for me. I'm just happy that my parents think I'm pretty. But why is my mother <laughs> thinking that someone's gonna try? Because that that would be the worst of all the Liam Neeson Taken films. <laughs> when he has to come and rescue me. Dancing in my underpants. On a yacht for the, you know, the businessman that just won me in a bidding war. <laughs> right, he's, he gets on the, he's killed everyone in the vicinity. Finally jumps on the yacht. <laughs> And he kicks the door open of the cabin where I'm downstairs. He's like, stop right there. Oh, sorry, two <laughs> gentlemen concerning adults doing whatever they're doing. Here. I'll fix the door. I have skills, carpentry as well. <laughs> I'm making fun of my mum because no, I know bad things. I know it happens, but not to me. <laughs> I, I know nothing about the white slave sex trade traffic industry, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this. If they're at the point where they would take me, it's over. 
They're just not into it anymore. Their heart's just not there. They're like, oh. There's girls all over this bar. Oh, look, a dumpy old white man in his late 40s. I must try to get something to his drink. A couple more stories. Can we handle a couple more stories? I got the light, but I don't and, and I got a hearing test tonight, so I know I'm good on that. <laughs> I, uh, I, did, I, I had some trouble in Europe. I got food poisoning in Stockholm, uh, Sweden. I know if you've had food poisoning before. Horrible. It's awful. I know it's, there's a couple of uh, pains that are up there, like the worst. That's pretty bad. Uh, I, had, um, I had some spaghetti in Stockholm, and I got violently ill. And then somebody said to me, well, you don't eat spaghetti in Sweden. Well, that's not known. That's not, nobody knows that. That's not like a thing. Like, oh, be, beware of the spaghetti when you're in Sweden. And um, you know who's got dodgy corn dogs? Iceland. There's no guidebook that says that. I mean, they have meatballs. That's half the journey. I don't know why I would say. And here's the reason I ate spaghetti. It was convenient because I on tour with my friend. And she wanted to eat traditional Scandinavian food. You know what that is? That's where they get a they get a fish and they wrap it in some paper and they put it in a wooden box and then they stick it under a mattress for 18 years. <laughs> and it becomes rotten and nasty and rancid, right? And people down the block are like, oh, look, it's, it's, uh, it's ready. <laughs> and then they serve it to, to tourists. And it's like, it's like, it was like, she said, I'm gonna go eat this. It's 500, she's rich. You know, she says, $500. A plate. I'm like, I'm not doing that. You know, even if she was paying for it, I said, I'm gonna go eat spaghetti. She eats rotten fish. She's good to go. I have spaghetti. <laughs> I'm at I'm at the Stockholm airport. And I'm throwing these pictures of Abba. And I'm like, <laughs> have you ever thrown up in Scandinavia? It just sounds like Bjork. <laughs> Never mind, you know, somebody put something in my drink. Somebody put something in my food. Thanks, Mum. All right, let's wrap this up. It, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been lovely. Um, I was talking about the sun. And I, I, I mean, I, do you guys stay out of it? Can you avoid it here? I try to stay out of it, except today, I got sunburn around my foot. Do I look red? Dri yeah, I'm driving in. I didn't even think about it, it's February. I don't need sunscreen. You know, I left my house this morning in LA. It's a bit nippy, a bit cold. Not super cold. It wasn't Norway cold, but it was cold. You know, but uh, then I get here and uh, and then it burned. So, because I'm, you know, I, I'm delicate. I have the fragile skin of a young girl in a Victorian novel, <laughs> dying of consumption. <laughs> I'm to be played by Anne Hathaway in a movie. You know, one bad thing I have, I, this eye, I have sun damage in this eye. I have, this eye is always a bit red, because I, I was in Australia a couple of years ago, and apparently I was out and about, I looked, I looked in, the, in the vicinity of the sun, and it burned my eyeball. That's what they don't tell you about Australia, your eyes will be burned. I didn't even know that was possible. The, I went to the doctor, and he goes, well, I don't know, you guys go to the doctor much? I, you know when they have to use the, the, the doctor term, because they, they went through medical school, and I'm, I'm using it. Um, and he goes, you have a pterygium, pterygium. I'm like, oh, how, how long do I have, you know? Because it sounds like it's gonna kill you soon. And it just means you have a sunspot in your eyeball. You just tell me I've got a sunspot. Don't show me that you went to doctor school. 
I don't know what's wrong with me. I know my eyes red. They've been red for six months. Yours are Jim. Mate, tell me. So now when I'm out, I have to wear big, I have to wear medical, big gigantic sunglasses, big full face, wrap around your head, no light can get, it looks like I'm going welding with Bono every day. <laughs> but I, as I said, I, I travel over American people, you know, pretty much good folks here, you know, because uh, what, what I like is the world tries to act like, or like every American, like you're all think exactly the same. And you don't, you, you're different. That's the beautiful part of it, right? You're all happy and proud. Some of you are boisterous, right? We're number one, right on. Then you have other Americans, they travel around, they go to Europe and they're a bit more like, we're Canadian. <laughs> you know those travelers who pretend to be from Canada and you can bust them easy, dude. Where are you from in Canada? Damn. <laughs> Should look at a map first. From uh, Winnebago Peg, bro. Saskatchewan, Connecticut, man. Vancouver, Mellencamp, whatever they got. <laughs> There's an abundance of so much stuff over here. Like, 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 like you have a national anthem, you have the Star Spangled Banner, and you have extra anthem. You have, you have America the Beautiful, you have God Bless America. That's probably the best anthem in the world, really. Like, you are blessed by God. And it's just you, it's nobody else. <laughs> How cool is that? You got it all. That's why the world's all cranky. You got it. Nobody's anthem is that good. England, what are they at? God save the queen. That's one person. That covers one old lady. Well, it's, I mean, it's really what she's been in that gig for about 100 years. The Canadian anthem, it's not even boasty at all. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like an afterthought. It's like, oh, Canada. <laughs> their anthem is, oh, Canada. It's like they just remember, like, oh, yeah, right, Canada. <laughs> Even we forget we're here <laughs> But I have, uh, I have family history in America. My, my, my great-grandfather actually survived the 1906 earthquake of San Francisco. He lived in England. <laughs> Every time it is. This is perfect timing. No, he did. He did. It's, it's a true story, uh, if I can believe my dad. <laughs> He says that his, his grandfather lived through the earthquake. Uh, I'll give you the quick, very quick family history. My dad's grandfather left England, moved to Australia, which you know at one point that was a big thing. Um, this, was, this was not convict time. This not, he was not a, a prisoner. Uh, and we, of course we, we, had, we did the family tree. We found we had, we had one uh, convict in our family. We had a counterfeiter. He was the only one that made money in our family. <laughs> All this is true, uh, but my dad's grandfather, he, um, he was in real trouble, this is the late 1800s, he was a troublemaker, uh, real boozer, just, you know, and, and the family was embarrassed by him, so they paid him to leave England. They said, look, here's some cash, you're going to take this money, then you're going to piss off, and you're never, ever, ever, ever going to come back. That's the proud stock I come from. <laughs> And when you drink too much for English people, you are Australian. Well, that's usually the end of it. So I should stop. 
you always want to get that big but I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> because I mean, I don't want to, because that dude's back there. He's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys have been brilliant. Thank you for coming out and, and support the, the great comedy series that happens here. And it's beautiful, it's beautiful venue, this great room, and the great people that put it on. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. Thank you guys.